0: Talk Radio. Welcome! Hello!
1: This is episode number 11 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com.
2: And I'm Tiffany Tucker of... <laughs> Tiffany Tucker, that's my maiden name, what the hey! And I'm Tiffany Tucker Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz.
0: <laughs> wow, that's
1: confusing. Like, no, that's not your name. We are also known as crazy, but we're also known as uh, Dana and Tiffany bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid thrivers everywhere.
2: In just a few short minutes, we will be talking live with the amazing Dr. Murray Buzz Susser, MD, about Lyme disease, the thyroid, and chronic fatigue. Such an amazing, comprehensive subject. We are super, super excited, aren't we, Dana?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. It's going to be a great, great show.
2: Fingers crossed.
1: But just a few things before we get started. If you tuned in last week, which we hope you did, you heard us chatting with the fabulous Blythe Clifford, one of our team members, also known as Thyroid Mom. And if you missed it, make sure to listen to it in the archives on thyroidnation.com slash radio why life was a wealth of knowledge. Wait, that's a tongue twister. She really was. She was really great, and she knows tons of things because her whole household is uh, suffering from thyroid disease. So you have to go back and listen to it if you missed it.
2: As always, a very, very big thank you to our amazing Thyroid Nation radio team of advisors, without whom this show would not be possible at all. Raina Kranz, Laura Shuneman, Melissa Phipps, Blythe Clifford, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and Marissa Ravello. Please check out their bios, Thri- Thriver stories, Facebook support groups, blogs, and websites at thyroidnation.com radio. Okay, Dana, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. What you think?
1: Absolutely. Today our guest is fabulous Dr. Murray Buzz Sucker, D. Dr. Susser is well known for blending traditional and alternative medicine, which is really cool, and his expertise in the areas of Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, chelation therapy, as well as bioidentical hormone replacement, and mixed infection syndrome is just second to none. We're so excited to have him on the show. He was actually recently inducted into the Healthy Doctors Health Heroes Hall of Fame, and is recommended by the National Health Federation. We are thrilled and excited to have him. Please welcome him, everybody.
3: Hello. Good morning, oh, Dr. I, ho- I hope I'm welcome. This is Murray Susser. How are you? Can you hear me?
2: Very good, thank you. We we can hear we can.
3: you. can. Pardon? We can hear can you loud up. and clear. Good, I hope I can live up to the glorious introduction that you gave me it's it's uh it's that's that's it's, it's a, it's a tough that's uh, a high hurdle to ha- handle but anyhow i've been doing it for 47 years so maybe i know something so
1: just a few things just a few things i mean your bio is fantastic you have so many things to talk about uh you started out i i just want to throw this out there to get everybody a little bit more familiar with you you were a singer, I mean, a, an actor and a singer, because you sang to me on the phone the other day, so I know you sing. Yeah, but
3: oh uh, uh, Yeah, go ahead, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I do uh, singing is not my longest suit. Poetry is a better suit for me. Okay, poetry. so you also do
1: poetry. Fantastic, and not to mention, he is a former. Fighter pilot, so that is something we are. We want to know a little bit about. Can you tell us kind of a little bit about your history and how you got into that? Tell us before we get into all this medical
3: jargon. I think that's kind of a dream come true. And when I was a kid, I was uh, I was always pretending to be a fighter pilot. And I took the kitchen chairs and set them set them up so I could sit between the legs and pretend it was a cockpit. And mm-hmm. and uh, so in World War II, I followed the Spitfires and the Mustangs and the Ameri- you know the fighter planes. And I wanted to be a fighter pilot, and and, uh, when I I dropped out of acting school, I went to Carnegie Tech acting school, and I dropped out and didn't know where to go, and I found out that I could apply for aviation cadets with the Air Force, and I got in the Air Force as an aviation cadet and and got my wings and became a jet fighter pilot. And it, it wasn't all that simple. It was a very, very involved and exciting time in my life. And and it was a dream come true. I mean, it was Disneyland to the fourth power. I, fly, flying 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 those things, even though they they were scary at first. It was really scary flying first T thirty three jets, then then F eighty sixes, then T, then F one hundred twos. And uh, I just loved it. I I, uh, I it was it was a, as I said a, a childhood dream. And so, and and, and, that's and that's it right, taught me a lot about. That's where Buzz about, came from, correct? What's that? That's where Buzz came from, correct? Actually, no. That's a funny part of the story. I never told oh. anyone in the Air Force that my name was Buzz. That would have been too corny. Nobody, nobody would let me <laughs> live it down. You know, they tease. We tease each other incessantly in those places. And so, if I would have, if I would have been Buzz, I'd have never lived it down. But I don't know how Buzz <laughs> Aldrin got away with it, but <laughs> he's tougher than I am, I guess. But. But I, yeah i i uh i was in the air force they called me sus and uh so i was, and nobody called me murray either it was just sus and 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 i uh and and i got so that i could do those things and enjoy them and share with others and i and, and i was kind of proud i was you know i was, I was patriotic uh and i still am I, I i feel that i we all owe a duty to our country and and uh and you know it that and then then when I got out of the air force I flew for the National Guard in Pittsburgh I went to Carnegie I went to University of Pittsburgh for for uh for pre med and it just happened that the National Guard unit in Pittsburgh was flying F86s when, at first and and then F102s so I was qualified in both can the aircraft
2: me? Anybody hello Yeah can Pardon? you hear
3: us yeah, I'm here can you hear uh, hello? I can
2: I can hear you, Doctor Susser. Can you okay. hear both me and Dana?
3: I can now, yeah. Okay, uh, go I, ahead. I, we're,
2: we're we're here. We're listening.
3: Yeah. So anyhow, that's 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 what happened. I I uh, I flew for the National Guard. It was a very strange existence. I was getting paid by the National Guard to pull alert. We uh, our job my job was Air Defense Command, so I flew combat ready uh, all of their interceptors. And they were supersonic, and they were wonderful. But uh, the job, my job, uh, was uh, part of the job was to pull alert. We were on alert in case any unidentified aircraft needed to be uh, approached. And we, when I was working on alert, I would we had to sleep there, and I, we slept in our boots and our flight suit because we had to be airborne in five minutes from the time the bell rang. So, so, that, so from from bed to airborne in five minutes is a pretty big job with those airplanes. So but uh, I loved it and I'm and I it's a it's a great part of my history in my life and uh I got a lot of a lot of a lot of wild stories uh about you know one of the things is 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 when you're flying flying at the, those speeds and with a with that kind of mission there's always a lot of near misses and uh and you have you know, half a dozen of those in your lifetime and you you get used to uh terror. <laughs> but, mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
2: but what do you all, think of all these new what do you think of all these new uh fighter planes, Doctor Sussero? They just seem I can't even imagine that kind of technology, you know, uh, the difference.
3: They're they're unimaginably they're unimaginably wonderful from from the fighter from the technology point of view the fact that we need them to have, and uh, to to deal with enemies is is the unpleasant part of the story but the fact that we have them and what they'll do uh is amazing the the F35 is just an amazing amazing creation and it'll do things that we never dreamt were possible the number of g forces it can handle and and uh, the the fact that it can do vertical take off and landing so you don't. So you don't even need a runway for the airplane. It's it's an amazing amazing uh, feat of engineering and creativity, and 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 in a sense, it's it's a it's a sad commentary on our life that we can c- spend all that money and all that brilliant technology in creating that weapon of killing, uh, when we should be really using those the, those resources to create healing. And that, so that's the that's the contradictory part of the story. Right. Well, I wonder I just what
1: have the, to say that we're going to call you we're going to call you sus and I'm going to be Maverick and Tiffany. You're going to be Goose from the rest of the show on because I just think that is such an incredible story.
3: Right? I would, have, I would have enjoyed that. Uh, oh
2: my goodness. I can't even so, imagine the physical training that must go into these uh, into these pilots now. You know, I you see just what you see, you know, for the average person in a movie, but, you know, the, the physical training that must go on with these pilots. And, you know, we talk about adrenal fatigue so often, uh, Dr. Susser. I just can't even imagine how they avert that with all of these intense physical trainings with those pilots now.
3: Well, you just uh, you just drink a lot of a lot of scotch and a lot of beer.
2: <laughs> my uh, the, yeah, my uncle a, was a lieutenant colonel in the air force, and a lot of scotch was part of the program I know for him.
3: <laughs> well, just the the uh, the beer was for breakfast, and the scotch was for lunch, and God knows what for dinner. The, uh, but we 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 had a good guys, time. We did our job.
0: Cutting
2: out. Can you guys hear me? okay?
3: I can hear you fine. I I can hear you fine. I can
2: hear you fine, Dana. We can hear you good.
3: So it's Dana. And uh,
1: if you guys can hear me, I'm going to hang up and call
2: back. How about that? Is that Tiffany? Okay. Yes, sir.
3: I can hear you. I can hear you fine.
2: Okay. Dana's going to try and call back in here. So, Dr. Susser, let's get started with... um, we wanted to go over some basics because uh, you have such a diverse, you know, with so many things, fibromyalgia and everything. So we want to start with some of the basics for everybody. So what does the thyroid do from your perspective to kind of give us a general overview um, from Dr. Sesser? What what does the thyroid do?
3: Uh, if I was going to do a metaphor for, for thyroid, I'd call it a spark plug. If, if you take a metaphor of, of, an, of an automobile engine, you have to put in fuel and oxygen. So so in, in, the, in the human being, if you have a, a cell you want to create okay. energy, you put in fuel that would be a carbohydrate, usually a sugar, or a certain kind of fat, and you put Hello? that in the cell for fuel. And then you put in oxygen for combustion. That's the same in an automobile engine or in our cells. So we need the oxygen. And the third thing you need is ignition. And, this, and as I see it, the thyroid provides the ignition. And and, and that creates energy. That's the that's the main purpose I see for thyroid. It does other things as far as managing immune system and 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 uh, uh, and, and various you know various functions in the body. But the the main thing I think is that it creates energy. It works in the mitochondria. You know, I guess everybody on this show was familiar with mitochondria. That. The tiny engines, the tiny heat engines and energy engines that all cells, all our, all our cells have uh, these mitochondria, and the mitochondria do just what I said: they they take carbohydrate and oxygen, and they ig- ignite it with something, you know, usually thyroid, and and you have energy, and that's a life force. Without that, we don't have any life.
2: Boy, and, do some of us surely understand that?
3: So now how about the
2: the
3: TSH? How about what?
2: How about the TSH? And and I know that it sounds very basic, Dr. Susser, but we want to make sure that that it's explained to everyone who's listening how this all kind of flows into uh, Lyme disease and then chronic fatigue. So that
3: explanation was wonderful now. Yeah, well, I I explain this to patients all the time. I draw a little diagram uh, with the face, with the pituitary gland, which is right in the middle of the brain, sort of and above the nose, and the pituitary gland makes various controlling substances controlling agents and hormones uh it's it's the it's the heart of the immune system, if you will i 'm not immune system, the endocrine system i'm sorry and and the t s h stands for thyroid stimulating hormone, and the the pituitary senses how much thyroid the body needs and it sends out this tsh thyroid stimulating hormone and it stimulates the thyroid gland the thyroid gland is a is shaped like a bow tie sort of and it sits just in the in the front of the throat just above the notch in your in your sternum and that that thyroid gland gets signaled by the tsh and the tsh says hey we need we need more spark and the TSH stimulates the thyroid gland to produce and release T4. T4 is thyroxine, that's the main thyroid hormone. And and the the, the T4 goes out into the periphery, and and when the, when and somehow or other through various various complex mechanisms, the the T4 becomes T3, and T3 it loses an iodine. The, the four stands for the number of iodine molecules. Uh, on the on the endocrine uh, gland, on the endocrine hormone. Uh, so so the T4 has four iodines, and it loses one of these iodines, and becomes T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. And the T3 is the spark that I talked about. That's the one that gets inside the cell and, and tells the cell to uh, to make energy by sparking the the carbohydrate and the oxygen. I don't know. Is that is that is that clear enough, or can I do I need more clarity? No, on that's that?
1: great. No, we're good. That's that's we're right along. I'm following with you, and I'm totally I'm totally getting you. What about you, Tiffany?
3: Absolutely. Oh, Tiffany.
2: I, think, I think.
3: What's that? Does that make sense to you? Did it make uh, so? Absolutely. So, okay. So, Absolutely. So. So the, the so the, the it's a, and the whole thing is what they call a negative feedback loop, it's, which is not complicated really. It sounds complicated if you've never heard it before, but it's really the same as your thermostat on the wall in the in the in the, in the house. The thermostat senses that you need more heat, and 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 it and it uh, tells the furnace to fire up and and make heat until you've reached a certain temperature, and that's the same thing. That the uh, that hap- happens in the thyroid in the thyroid system, the thyroid the thyroid is needed. You need more spark, so so the pituitary puts out more TSH. The TSH stimulates more thyroid hormone. The thyroid hormone then loses one of its atoms of a- iodine. And the, and as we're talking, you might get the idea that we really need iodine. And it loses, but T3 only has the three iodines. It's the active, it's the active hormone in the in the thyroid system. And it's by the way, from a therapeutic point of view, uh, in, in treating thyroid, the T3 is probably my favorite uh, thyroid, my favorite form of thyroid hormone because it works very quickly and consistently. I don't know, have, and and I use I, I one of the things that that you should take home or, t- or take home from this conversation is that I'm going to explain how to monitor your thyroid gland if you happen to take T3 uh, or if you have if you take thyroid as a therapeutic trial. The therapeutic trial to me is probably the most important part of treating thyroid. Uh, have you had a lot of problems with, or do your 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 listeners and your 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 people have the same kind of problems that my my typical patient has? When I, I I see patients who have been to endocrinologists and sometimes many doctors, and people and these doctors have just done blood tests. They measure the T4 and the T3. If they if they do that well, they measure the TSH. Is it is this the okay subject to go into now?
2: absolutely we'll we'll do that, and then we'll move from there into Lyme, but I think this is what you're explaining right now is a lot of why Lyme affects the thyroid, so absolutely
3: please keep going okay this this is this is i think this is a very important area for thyroid the, the, the important area for an important area is because the thyroid gland uh, is hard to measure even with our present advanced technology even with our our advanced fighter jet technology uh <laughs> we We don't necessarily have the uh the the skill to measure exactly what we need in the way of thyroid. Uh, some of this is oversight because most doctors that I get patients from have not measured the iodine level in the body, and th- remember thyroid the thyroid hormone is is gauged by the amount of iodine it has. T4 means four molecules of iodine T3 means three molecules of iodine and and it's more complicated than that but that's but that's enough to understand that if you if you take your iodine iodine when you need it uh you may sometimes correct a low thyroid and the kicker is you might not have any idea from your blood test that your thyroid is low i I can tell you that most of the thyroid patients i see I I I test, I judge by their history do they have thyroid symptoms th- symptoms of low thyroid um and or uh and their response to thyroid treatment now that's that's that, that's a little bit tricky that but it's very important and it's not all that difficult once you understand a little bit about the therapeutic trial the therapeutic trial uh to me is almost essential when a person has symptoms of low thyroid and and uh but not respond, but not the blood test. The T S H is normal, the T four and T three is normal. That often happens. And yet when I treat the patient with say T three is is, is is an easy way to do it because the T three responds quickly. This the T three will cause people to to improve their thyroid symptoms almost overnight whereas T4 uh, is slower. T4 may take days. And desiccated thyroid, the armorous thyroid, that may take weeks for that to stabilize. So I don't use that as an initial treatment much of the time. The, TTS, the TSH uh, is considered to be the best indicator for low thyroid. So when the when the thyroid goes low, the TSH like the starts pumping and says let's make more thyroid so the TSH goes up. So if you have a normal free T4 and a normal free T3 in in your blood test and your TSH is high and could be slightly high uh the 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 normal level is uh, around 2.0 nanograms the 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 normal levels are around 2.0. Uh, if the recommended level by most reference labs is about 4.5, so I don't want to get into too many of these details. But the 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 point I would make by that is is that if the TSH is higher than 4.5, or say it's say it's seven or eight or ten or fifteen or twenty, then then you can say that that pituitary gland is trying to make thyroid, is trying to stimulate the production of thyroid. So it's high right. because the thyroid is low, even though your blood tests for T4 and T3 are, are normal. So how do you how do you gauge it? Well, uh, the best test, the best gauge, and this is something I teach all my thyroid patients. I teach them to to check their pulse. The Normal pulse wow. is around. What's that?
1: I said, "Wow, that's cool. I'm, I'm listening. You've got me." This is
3: important take-home. This is one of the most useful facts you'll have about your thyroid gland. The, the, um, the, uh, you can, you can, if you can feel your pulse in your wrist, that's fine. Most people don't feel it so well. So what I do is tell, them, pretend you're saluting. Hold your hand, your right hand in a, in a salute form. Then go, then feel across your, to the left side of your neck, right next to your windpipe. You can feel your windpipe easily, and then go up about as high as you can in your neck with your middle fingers, and you can feel your pulse, your carotid pulse. And that should be around 70 when you're at rest, when you're resting and comfortable. And and it, if you're in good physical condition, aerobic condition, then you'll be in the neighborhood of 60. If you're not so good, you might be 75 or 80. but. The point is, you have a baseline level. You should you should have a level that when you're relaxed and comfortable, and, and you're, you measure your pulse and say it comes out 70, uh, then that's that's all well and good. Now, but you but you have thyroid symptoms. You're fatigued. You're depressed. You have constipation. You have dry skin. You have hair that's 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 falling. You have any number of the low thyroid. Uh, you have cold body temperature. You feel like you're like you're freezing, uh, as I said, dry skin. There's, there's a number of, of of symptoms of low thyroid. If if you have low thyroid symptoms, then you have a a basis for a therapeutic trial. So I would take a patient like that and give them small doses of T3. Cytomel is a brand name. You can also get it compounded, but uh, but it, it, the Cytomel. For example, comes in a five microgram, a 25 microgram, and a 50 microgram. The average person who has no thyroid gland. If we destroy the thyroid gland in a person with surgery, or or, or with uh, uh, or with radioactive iodine, for sometimes you have to uh, they do that for some reason or other, mostly because of malignancy, and uh, and if the person has symptoms of low thyroid. And and uh, you measure the pulse, and if the pulse is say 65 or 70 uh, with low thyroid, the pulse gets slower, so it might even go down to 55 or or 60, and and that's beats per minute. Okay, let me let me go back. I forgot to give you the arithmetic. This should be, if it should be 60 beats per minute, say, and you measure it for a minute, you should count 60. If you measure it for half a minute then you multiply by two and see what that is. Then that would usually come out around 60. If you start taking thyroid, well, well, let me go back to the measurements for a second. You don't have to measure 30 seconds. You can measure 15 or 20. If you measure 15 seconds, you you multiply by four and that takes you up to 60, which is uh, 60 seconds in a minute. You multiply Mm -hmm. by, if you go 20 seconds, uh, you multiply by three, and that takes you up to sixty to sixty seconds per minute. so what you wanna do is 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 measure the seconds per minute the the beats per minute and if your baseline is say sixty uh and your symptoms are really obvious you have you have you're depressed you're tired you're constipated you're you're cold uh and you have and you so you have dry skin dry hair uh n- there's, a, there's, a, there's other thyroid symptoms as well but th- those are enough and if you have these symptoms and and uh, a doctor like me puts you on a small dose of cytomel um, the, even though your thyroid levels are normal that uh I can give you 5 micrograms of cytomel and start and and start and and measure your pulse every day. Measure it in the morning and measure it sometime during the day, at a, when you're when you're relaxed and not not excited by television or or family or whatever. Just get get by yourself for a while and and make sure you you check your pulse. And
0: if, and, and if you get
3: on a thyroid regimen and you start and you check your pulse and it starts going up if it goes up 10 or 15 beats, say it goes up from 60 beats a minute to 70 or 75 beats a minute, and uh, you will usually feel kind of agitated. The, the signs of high thyroid are pretty much the opposite of the signs of low thyroid, except for the fatigue. You get fatigue in both of them, but but with high thyroid, your pulse is high, your blood pressure is high, your your skin is moist and sweaty, uh, you, get, you might get trembly, but the first thing you get is an increase in pulse. And you can measure that with you can measure that with the uh, with a little device that I told you about me- saluting across your neck and feeling and feeling the carotid pulse next to your windpipe up at the top of your windpipe. And so, so is this making sense to you guys?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think unfortunately. It's something that, you know, a lot of people would love to see their physicians actually, you know, do the therapeutic trials uh, and actually do. I think a lot of people would feel a heck of a lot better. I have oh, a yeah, quick it's, question for you. It's worked for
3: me on literally thousands of patients. I,
2: I, I, I can completely understand that. And a quick question for you, Dr. Susser, why do you think that, you know, conventional medicine is so against this low-dose, T three therapeutic trial, and I know that's kind of off subject, uh, no, and if it's inappropriate. It, please tell me.
3: That's a very good question. I I think it just has to, has to do with uh, there's there's an attitude. You, 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 when I came out of medical school, I thought I knew everything, and 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 what I realized is I knew so little. There was so much I had to learn,
0: and and I and
3: really you have to teach it to yourself. The value of going to a medical school should be that you learn how to learn, and 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 I and I and we do learn how to learn. But we don't always put it to good use. So so the so the doctors say, it's very comfortable to look at a blood test and say your T4 is normal, your TSH is normal, uh, your T3 is normal, you're normal. But doctor, I feel lousy. And 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 uh, and and what I found is that that the doctors. Are much more comfortable using a lab test, even if the test has not been proven to be to be reliable and, and worthwhile. We didn't even mention, for example, the other possibilities like iodine. Uh, one of the things that I measure in virtually all my patients, especially anybody who has the slightest hint of thyroid issues, I measure the iodine. Remember, the iodine is 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 what gives you your T four and your T three. And, and so many and, uh, physicians so
2: refuse to test the iodine.
3: And we have I, I don't know if I don't know if uh, it depends on the on some refuse, some just don't know to do it. So so if some will do it if you ask them, but they don't volunteer it. And and, and then they and then they don't always interpret it right because the reference range is probably too low too low. The, the, now uh, you mean Dr. Sasser do you yeah. normally
2: uh measure blood levels of iodine or do you prefer the urine test what what is your preferred way of measuring iodine
3: I prefer the blood uh, the urine the urine just uh, is is harder to interpret and more li- more likely to be erroneous uh you can use the urine but uh, I never do it's, uh, the blood test is simpler and more direct uh, the, now do you uh, find
2: i know you you mentioned a little bit about the range being off what What are your ideal uh blood ranges for iodine that you like to see in your in your patients well
3: i I like to see them, I like to see them up around hundred the The reference range is usually forty you know forty or fifty and and if it's down around forty or fifty uh it can still be in the in the quote normal reference range uh so uh, i i like to see the iodine up uh and up up at the 80 or 100 level and when it's up there uh you can um you can you can be pretty sure that you're not going to have a goiter you know you, you remember what goiter, right. where goiters came from yes where,
2: absolutely but you go yeah. ahead and, and and tell us so that for the
3: listeners Okay, the, the the goiter the definition of a goiter is merely an enlarged thyroid, uh, but most people who have a goiter also have low thyroid function, and if you give them thyroid treatment, very often the goiter will disappear. Also, the the goiters were eliminated almost from the convention you know from the ordinary population a uh, hundred years ago or so when they put when they iodized salt. They found they used to call the Midwest the goiter belt. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you've heard that, haven't you, Gail?
2: Absolutely, like yeah. the Michigan, <clears throat> Michigan, area and stuff.
3: Yeah. So 100 years ago, everybody had a goiter because there wasn't any any iodine in their uh, in their diet. The iodine comes from the sea, and the Midwest is pretty far from the sea, and and uh, so we we didn't have the, the the transportation and refrigeration that we have now. So people had goiters. When I iodized salt that diminished or even eliminated much of the goiter issues. But but even now we have people who don't have a goiter necessarily, their thyroid is not enlarged, but their thyroid is in this gray zone that I talked about where it's not producing enough energy. It's not producing the energy it's supposed to do to produce. And so you have uh, this gray zone and and if you give people like that iodine you may not have to give them uh thyroid treatment they may they may get better just with the iodine and that uh, that holds true even for the hashimotos the autoimmune thyroiditis the inflamed thyroid which uh which which is a subject unto itself we should get into that shortly <laughs> But, but,
2: that's uh, a that's a a topic for another another time. But tell us a little bit because we have a question uh, from Marina that's asking about Hashimoto's and iodine and how you feel about that. Let's just hit on that real quick. How do you feel about that, Doctor Chester?
3: I don't. It doesn't have to be real quick. It's an important subject. It's it, it's a it's a it's a very important subject, and I've had good success with it using iodine. The remember the the recommended daily allowance of iodine is 160 micrograms. A microgram is a thousandth of a milligram. A milligram is a thousandth of a gram. A gram is 160... Uh, uh, is, a gram is 160th of an ounce. Uh, so so the... The um, micro... The, the amount of salt... The, the amount of iodine, I'm sorry, the amount of iodine that we need is probably... In the neighborhood of maybe 500 to 1,000 micrograms, instead of 160. The recommended daily allowance, as I said, is 160. Uh, I actually used the uh, a, a pr- protocol I learned from Michael Schachter, who did a lot of basic research on this, and he felt that you that uh, when that we do better when we take milligrams of thyroid, milligrams of iodine. I use a product called SSKI that has 20 milligrams of iodine per drop. So I can Mm. give one drop a day and give 80 times the recommended daily allowance. Now, that's tricky. That can suppress the thyroid gland and it can cause cause even acne. The first sign of overdosing with with, uh, iodine is usually a pimple, an acne pimple. If you get that, you're getting too much iodine. So that's that's, okay. that's the other take home. One is the one is the increase in pulse rate, and the other is I is a pimple. Uh, the, those are, those are two cardinal signs of uh, getting too much. And of and and but if we take the iodine, then that's uh, and and our symptoms start to go away very quickly. Sometimes with iodine, the symptoms will go away in in days. Your thyroid symptoms will improve dramatically. And even your Hashimoto's, so that's the thing I wanted to bring up. Hashimoto's is autoimmune thyroiditis. That means your thyroid is inflamed. It's by an autoimmune process, which means that your your body is attacking itself. It's uh, the metaphor is in, in the military is you were you were killed by friendly fire, which is also an oxymoron.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, right. I don't think any, fi- any fire that kills you is really friendly, but. <laughs> but uh but but the but the, ion, but the um, so so the oxi- so the, you don't uh, find
2: that people with Hashimoto's have uh do you find that they're more problematic with iodine supplementation, or uh you know what is your protocol for Hashimoto is it different than it would be yeah, it's, it's with someone different. with an iodine deficiency?
3: Yeah, I would. Always, I would. If the iodine in the blood is low, I would always use iodine. I would just use it much more carefully in Hashimoto's. In in, the, in you know, in standard in a conventional hypothyroid with low iodine, uh, I I might give a drop a day. I usually only give about a half a drop a day. So how do you give half a drop? You have a very <laughs> small scissors to cut the drop away. No, no, what I what i do is, is i say you know to put a a drop of, of the iodine of the sski in water and drink half of it and save the other half for the next day and that way that way you get 10 10 milligrams of iodine instead of instead of 20 and so so the so with hashimotos uh i've had hashimotos get better they it's, they it's considered to be a lifelong disease once you have it you never get rid of it but i've had cases where the hashimotos went away with with careful low dose uh, iodine therapy so so that's 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 very encouraging wow that's to me. very interesting now by and, and, and what they mean... say they they say in the in the conventional literature in, in the con- conventional medicine literature they say don't use iodine in hashimotos you'll get you 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 have a a, a thyroid storm or something along those lines. I've never seen thyroid storm. I've treated thousands of thyroid patients. It's uh, I've had p- p- because I c- carefully monitor the pulse. If you monitor the pulse, you're not going to get thyroid storm. If, so the pulse uh, is key, then. To me, it is. I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but to me, it's the cheapest and most practical and most self-empowering way to do it. You can you can you can take care of yourself with measuring your pulse and your pimples. Pulse and your, P and P. Pulse pulse and pimples. Of
2: the P and P. <laughs> pulse and Pimples.
3: But, it, pulse but and it's Pulse and Pimple. It's not it's not altogether P and P. It's it's in the blood, not the P.
2: Gotcha. Well,
3: the we organic. know we have
2: so many people, Doctor Susser, that are that, you know, their physicians refuse to talk about Lyme and everything else. So we wanna we want to hear more about Lyme and thyroid disease, and and your correlation between the two. Um, what are the symptoms? Tell us tell us about Lyme and what you see with Lyme disease.
3: Let me give you a, just a moment's background on Lyme Lyme disease and me, for example. As uh, I've been treating diseases that slip through the cracks since uh, since my first year in medicine, about seventy forty seven years ago. So uh, there's a lot of diseases that are no, non diseases. First one I treated was hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, and and, and to this day the, the medical profession doesn't recognize hypoglycemia as, as a condition or as a, as a disease. The next one was candidiasis. They don't believe the candidiasis a yeast infection can be chronic and serious. Everybody has yeast in their gut, so so there are no infections. Uh, next one was fibromyalgia, I treated and thyroid is another one. Uh, they say, oh, the next one was chronic fatigue syndrome. I wrote a book on chronic fatigue syndrome, and and they said there was chronic fatigue syndrome wasn't wasn't a disease as such. It was just depression. So so there's all these things that I've that I've treated, and then Lyme disease came along, and and now the medical profession says that chronic Lyme disease doesn't exist. You you, you treat Lyme for Lyme Lyme infection for. Three weeks and they all get better and you never have any problem with them again. Nothing, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. The huh. Lyme is one of the most difficult conditions to treat, and and so we can get into that now. But the, but are you familiar with with the kind of the kind of issues I'm talking about? All the all, all all the different all the different conditions that are not recognized by the medical profession.
0: Absolutely. If,
2: Absolutely. We see it all the time in, in our forums, Dr. Susser. I mean, hundreds of thousands of women that that are just, unfortunately, their symptoms are getting ignored. They're not getting the proper testing like blood levels of iodine. Even simple, you know, uh, which I would assume would be traditional medicine is ruling out your most simplest problem first, and then yeah, the, you know, they, going they, into they, more are, complex. You're
3: quite right. This is conventional medicine. It should be. It isn't done by many doctors, they don't believe it, but yeah, it should be conventional medicine and even even the vitamin D a lot of the problem with vitamin D came from the f d a thirty five years ago when they said that vitamin D would cause you to calcify your brain and your kidneys and it will kill you and hmm. and nothing could be further from that truth
0: uh the um the the, the,
3: the vitamin d is, 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 uh, decreases the risk. If you're low in vitamin D, your risk of all diseases, including cancer, is up by 50 or 55%. So, so we have all that. What does this have to do with Lyme? Well, it has to do with the obstinacy of conventional medicine to change. Uh, when something needs to be changed in conventional medicine, somebody did a study, I don't know how they did it, but they estimated it took 17 years for, for conventional medicine to change. Although sometimes a dramatic stroke of the pen will do it I I um uh, I I graduated medical school in 1966 and that was around the time when when uh, Dennis Burkitt uh discovered Burkitt's lymphoma in Africa.
2: Sure B cell, mhm, yeah.
3: Remember remember Burkitt's lymphoma? One yeah, this, of my uh this...
2: one of my good friends 12-year-old daughter was just uh diagnosed with Burkitt's B cell lymphoma about 2 weeks ago.
3: Well, yeah, Burkitt Burkett discovered that, and he also discovered that uh, the high-fiber diet. Before Dennis Burkitt traveled Africa and found that none of the African tribes had appendicitis, had colitis, had, had, uh, had uh, bowel cancer. There were almost no bowel diseases in Africa, and what he found is that they had a high-fiber diet. Now, at that time, when I was graduating medical school, the conventional wisdom was that any bowel problem, you used a low-fiber diet. And that was every doctor in the country, and this was in the 1966 era. Every doctor in the country used low-fiber diet. Burkitt toured the country and went to a number of medical schools, including mine. I was lucky enough to hear him talk. and and he And he gave a very convincing case for the high-fiber diet, well within a year, every doctor in the country was using high fiber diets, and still they still are so somehow so sometimes when you get the information in a in the a, a good way you get it to the popu- to the public and to the and to the professions uh, then it does work so 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 burkett Burkett gets recognized for his lymphoma, but his high fiber diet i think was really the amazing thing that he did uh uh, have you ever been recommended a high fiber diet by your doctor or by your 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 nutritionist? I think
2: I, I uh, well sure in in diabetes they recommend high fiber diets and uh you know for blood sugars and you know then you have of course we're losing a lot of that high fiber with the new paleo trend and um it's a it's an interesting thing out there you kind of you kind of get philosophies on both sides so I think it's you know, so well, important I, I for think people it to listen sides. to their own body. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it should be. I think it should be on both sides because it shouldn't be all high fiber and it shouldn't be all low fiber. It should be high fiber when appropriate. And, right. And, right. And, and there are times when it's not appropriate. So, but I think Burkett did a marvelous thing, and he he doesn't get enough credit for that. I haven't heard him get the credit for that over the years. But uh, well,
2: maybe someday we can always <laughs> hope, right? <laughs> That's
3: right. Well, let me know.
1: let me ask you let me ask you, uh, while we while we're talking about some of these things and I just want to jump into because we you know, we do want to have your input on Lyme disease, I wanna just get into you know, I know you said you were gonna explain Lyme disease a little bit about about it and, and tell us some symptoms too, Doctor Susser, if you don't mind. Not at all.
3: Fit. I've been treating Lyme for over ten years. Uh I've actually in way over over close to thirty years I, I, I had a had a Diagnosis of a Lyme patient in in Pellis Verdes uh, about 30 years ago.
0: Oh and wow, I, that
3: was amazing. It, I, it was a struggle then, and it, sometimes it's no less of a struggle now. So Lyme disease, uh, and uh, for those who have never heard of Lyme disease, and there aren't many of those around now anymore. I think I think most everybody's heard of it. But it comes from Lyme, Connecticut, L-Y-M-E, not from lime, uh, not from lime, the fruit lime, like the lemon. Um, the, in Lyme, Connecticut, around 1975, uh, some housewives got together, and, and, uh, and they were mothers of children who, had ch- who were diagnosed as childhood rheumatoid arthritis, and they figured that there shouldn't be an epidemic of that, and was it an infection, and they got do- various doctors to study it and discover Lyme, the Borrelia organism. So, Lyme disease... Is caused by a, a bacteria called Borrelia, and it's Borrelia burgdorferi, after after, after Willy Burgdorfer, who who, dis, who discovered this particular strain and how it related to the epidemic of arthritis, and uh, and the Lyme uh, the Lyme was discovered in Lyme, Connecticut, I, and and uh, the the organism is a tick-borne organism so the original thinking and most and, and a lot of it still holds true is that the the, the Borrelia organism is carried by the the Lyme tick which uh, gets its blood and its infection and and, and its uh, organisms from a deer uh and this deer they so the tick bites the deer gets the blood and the infection in its body bites a human and the bite is painless and imperceptible, and the tick can be very small. The tick can be one millimeter, and it can just be on for a relatively short time, maybe hours, maybe even less. It used to be thought that it had to be on your body for days, and that's not true. It it, it can get on you, pass the, the, or, the organisms into you very quickly, and then get out. It takes a little bit of blood from you and goes. Now you have the organism in your body. what happens to it? depends on your immune system depends on how you respond to this thing. Lots of people have had this bite and have the organism in their body and have no symptoms from it. They just carry it around with them. Uh, maybe someday they get very sick someday they uh, they have heart disease or cancer or 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 some other infection and then the organism which has been in a dormant state in your body then flares and attacks you. Most of the time, when you get the tick bite, uh, if if you want to have an, an, a, a definite diagnosis, you'll get a definite diagnosis of Lyme disease if the tick bite leaves a rash, a peculiar rash. Uh, it's a it's a they call it the bullseye rash because there's a red spot in the center, and then there's a ring around it. Uh, like the rings of Saturn. Uh, the the is ring it around painful,
1: is, is it. Is it a painful thing,
3: um, Dr. Uh, the Susser? Tick bite is is, it, no, the tick bite is not painful. The rash can be irritating. The rash yeah. can hmm. be itchy. Okay. And, and the rash. Now, and, the rash, and, uh, rash. Say again?
2: Oh, I was going to say the rash only shows up about 50% of the time, though, right, Dr. Susser? So that's not always a.
3: Uh, I say much that less people, than 50%. I'd say more like 20 or 10%.
2: Uh,
3: But you're right. It's it's an important part of it, that you don't have to have the rash to have the diagnosis unless you're going to an infectious disease doctor. And the infectious disease doctor says, unless you have the rash, you don't have Lyme disease. And, Hmm. again, I don't believe that at all. My experience is that lots of people with Lyme disease have no history of the rash. So so there are now... and, And one of the problems with Lyme disease... Is again the same kind of problem as with as with uh, thyroid and testing. The testing for Lyme disease is very difficult. The organism is 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 elusive. The laboratories, most of the conventional, even the very big and powerful laboratories, they don't they don't devote enough attention to it. I use a laboratory in San Jose, California, called Igenix. IGenics specializes in Lyme disease. Uh, and Igenix has been called a quack lab by conventional docs and conventional uh, laboratories. So they, they diagnose everybody with Lyme disease. Well, I've used Igenix uh, hundreds and hundreds of times, and they, huh. are, they are a very good, solid lab. They have been inspected by the FDA. By the F, FDA yeah. They've been inspected 11 times in the last past year, and they passed every inspection. So how bad could they really be? They, they 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 pass the government inspections time after time. Uh and the, and IGenix uh has uh a very thorough and and broad based uh approach to testing Lyme. And I won't go into all the details but the 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 major part well there's two, two at least two very important parts of it. One is what is known as, as the Western blot. Western blood is a kind of antibody test. Antibodies are the little are the tiny molecules in the body that are that that uh attack invaders. and they attack invaders specifically. They alert they when you get an invader, uh antibodies are how we identify all our infections. How do you know you've had German measles? Well you have antibodies against German measles, they're specific. How do you know you've had Lyme? Well, you have antibodies against Lyme disease. They're specific. Is this the information you wanted, guys? Yeah, Absolutely. and I, we, I
1: do. I we do want. to you can, you to can get jump treat, in
3: any so in I don't treatment. sound like I'm lecturing. No,
1: no, we, we um, need like we do want to get a, we need like a series of though. ten
2: shows with you.
3: <laughs> yes, I know. So okay, so so the uh, uh, yeah, I did, yeah, I just kind of don't want to feel like I'm monopolizing this whole thing. So, okay. So, um so Lyme disease is hard to identify and 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 there's an enormous amount of information on it that are developing now. Uh, Richie Horowitz wrote a 520 page book of brilliant stuff on Lyme disease. Uh and and uh and I'll get into the reasons why, but to me that's 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 a sign of are a failure to deal with it properly. If, if if we could cure Lyme disease really effectively, you'd only need five pages or two pages. You wouldn't need 500. So so the so so to me, that's the problem. We don't have the right answers yet. We have a lot of good answers, and and we can do a lot of good using the kind of stuff that Richie Horowitz has in his book, and and that we've been using from you know from the internet. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of information around now. What is the information about? Well, for one thing, Lyme disease is a, is a spirochetal organism, which means it's in the same family as syphilis. But it, right now, it's not known to be passed from human to human. It's not known to be passed sexually, but it, it's still considered to be a tick-borne disease. It's only it's only passed by the tick. Uh, there's other there's other insects now. That are suspected of carrying Lyme, even mosquitoes, fleas, mites, ticks, mites, we already said ticks, there's a a number of things that probably carry Lyme. There's a number of of mammals like squirrels and chipmunks that probably carry Lyme, not just the deer. So, So we have organisms that carry Lyme, we have animals that carry Lyme, and Lyme disease is a spirochete, which means it looks like a corkscrew it's hard to culture it's very hard to grow but there are people who are doing that now uh the spirochete is very elusive and can take different forms it's it's uh, almost like a like a comic book character but it's not funny at all it's the the spirochete the spirochete if you treat it with something with an antibiotic that kills the that kills the spirochete because it kills the cell wall the spirochete can morph into an l form bacteria which which has no cell wall, it just has a membrane, and so you can't kill it by killing a cell wall, but it's just as deadly and just as sickening as as the spirochete now that can morph into uh what they call a string of pearls uh if you have the spirochete and it stretches out into into a into a Long strand, and then it starts to partition off, and and the and the partitions look like 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 a, a strand of string between pearls. That and at some point the partition, you might have fifteen or twenty uh, packets of organism on this string on this string of pearls, and wow, the string breaks, and and now you have all these tiny baby spirelli uh, organisms which are very elusive and very agile, and they can attack and penetrate our healthy cell walls more easily than a spirochete, and, they all, and that's a big reproduction. So, so those three forms. The fourth form is the cystic form, which is almost like a spore that you can get from a fungus. The cystic form is dormant. It's causing very little problem. It's just there, and when your immune system weakens and can't fight it anymore, and pow, it comes after you, the spore form uh the, the spore form is 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 pretty nasty and and it and you can and what you have to do then to treat Lyme disease with all its different forms and and faces is to go from one antibiotic to another and usually and and that 's the the standard now there are people now who are who are using herbs and and uh and electronics and various various methodologies of killing the bug. But that's very difficult. Most of the time, you wind up at least giving a trial of antibiotics, sometimes intravenous antibiotics, sometimes for two or three months, daily intravenous antibiotics. Uh, It's very, very demanding. It's logistically difficult. It's expensive. It's, uh, It's unpleasant. It's a very difficult treatment sometimes. Now, when I go back to some of the cases I saw 10, 20 years ago, uh, it wasn't so difficult, but somebody would have evidence of Lyme, the testing wasn't very good, but it was, it was enough to say that this is probably Lyme, and treat the Lyme with, say, one or two courses of one or two antibiotics, uh, and, and wow, person's all better. I have, I have patients now and friends of, friends who are sort of patients. Uh, who got this treatment 20 years ago and haven't been sick since? They've been fine. Right now, it's not that simple. The organism has morphed in several ways, and and it's and it's very hard to kill now. So so uh, that's one of the reasons why we have these long books, in which with various kinds of of uh, protocols for treating these these uh, these dreadful problems. So, okay, so, so we didn't even talk about the symptoms of Lyme. You, you, wanted, you asked about that. Is that the ne- the next thing you want me to I go do.
2: to? I, I do okay. have a question though, uh between Lyme and the thyroid. Is it is it is the connection between Lyme disease and the thyroid does that come through the immune system and Hashimoto's or does that come from the body's uh conversion inhibition between T four and T three? What is the connection between Lyme and the thyroid?
3: Uh, I think Lyme and the thyroid is a, the, the, to me it's it's uh, I, it's not that specific. I think Lyme and uh, Lyme disease can weaken the immune system against almost any infection, uh, uh, almost any condition. So mm-hmm. so 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 Lyme and, and and Hashimoto's Hashimoto's is never been considered to be an infection, although it could be. You no, know, it's always been considered to be idiopathic. Nobody knows what causes it. But there are there are indications that that uh, that hashi, not just Hashimoto's but that Hashimoto's could be uh, from a Lyme infection. Lyme can hit almost any organ in the body, maybe any organ. And if it happens, and, and if you're and if your target organ, if your target organ is your thyroid, and Lyme hits the thyroid, how does it show up? Well, it could show up as low thyroid. It could show up as Hashimoto's. Now the symptoms of Hashimoto's are confusing because I call it a, a mixed thyroid dysfunction. What does that mean? Well, the we know that low thyroid has has all cooling, slowing, uh, thickening uh, condi- uh symptoms, cold, dry, constipated uh, uh low low pulse, uh low low blood pressure, uh low temperature, So all those things are part of low thyroid. High thyroid, except for fatigue, which hits both of them, is pretty much opposite of everything. High pulse, high temperature, uh, high uh, skin sweating, trembling, uh, high high anxiety. So those are things of high thyroid. With Hashimoto's, for some reason, you, you get a mixed thyroid dysfunction, a mixed set of symptoms. You might get low pulse and high blood pressure. You might get dry, uh, dry skin, you get cold skin, and sweating. Uh, you m- might get uh, dry, dry hair and trembling. So you, you get, so, you, so about half the, uh, n- a number of the symptoms are low thyroid, a number of the symptoms are high thyroid. The way I've gotten around that is usually, is with iodine and cytomel. The cytomel hmm. is a T3. So, right. So, uh, so okay, so in
2: now that you doesn't... you seem you sound like you you are are into therapeutic trial of T three for any chronic illness that's affecting uh, possibly affecting the T three where people are showing symptoms that they may benefit from that is that correct
3: Well, I think that's not that broad for me. Uh, I, I when I suspect low when I suspect a thyroid dysfunction, either low thyroid or Hashimoto's, then then then, then I use T three.
2: Then use T three and, T3. I use T3 and then because check the iodine.
3: I oh, absolutely. Or thank you. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't forget the iodine. Uh I use T3 because it works fast. Uh as I said works T3 can work in a right. day or two and you can get and you can get symptoms a therapeutic trial change. Uh T4 uh has to convert to T3 and that takes days for that to happen. And, so do you find and, any
2: cases though uh, Dr. Susser, that you do find uh T4 a single therapy as well or do you just primarily go straight to the t3 well, I've never
1: and, and wait let me let me let me cut you off really quick because i want to bring in Reina for this discussion so i'm just gonna everybody knows Reina from the thyroid nation radio team and she's on the line holding so i know she wants to talk to you before you answer that let me just bring Reina on really quick here we go guys
3: you don't have to hurry hi Reina. hello can you hear me
2: Reina, can
1: i'm trying can you hear
2: us Reina?
3: Hello, Raina. Raina,
1: are you there?
0: I am. Can you hear me?
3: I can hear you fine. I I don't know which way I'm
0: on. I don't know if I'm on Skype or I'm on the phone.
3: I don't have (laughs) Skype, so you're not talking to me on Skype.
0: Okay. I'm on the phone, so let me turn off the Skype. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Dr. Susser. It's nice to meet you.
3: Thank you. It's nice to meet you, Raina.
0: I'm really interested in this T3 thing. I really am. I mean, um, I'm coming. At, I'm coming from this from the same standpoint you are. Energy. I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints that all of our thyroid listeners are having, and most of them are on T4 only because their doctors will not prescribe T3. Yeah, this that's
3: a, that's a big that's that, that. There's an interesting history in that. If we have time, I'll tell you about it sometime, but.
0: Uh, the,
3: the, <laughs> But go ahead, yeah, not, you're not, quite right, most endocrinologists and even conventional uh, generalists only use T4, which is really nonsensical because a lot of T4, you have to convert the T4 to T3 for it to work. And isn't
0: there? Also, there's something to this also with Hashimoto's, as the disease progresses and the thyroid actually becomes more destroyed and less dysfunctional, there's even more of a reason to be using T3 with Hashimoto's than just T4. Isn't that correct?
3: Absolutely. We're on the same page.
0: Okay. So here's my question. Since you're a medical doctor and all our listeners would love to get in the heads of all of our endocrinologists, how would you guide us to have this conversation with our endos to get them To prescribe us T3, how do we approach this with them?
3: I don't know. Maybe you could use a small machine gun.
0: (laughs) Shush! We have a lot of listeners from Dallas, Texas, on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's very. As I said, it's good. It's good. I I think there are enough doctors out there who will listen to reason. And if the doctor won't listen to reason, I think it's time to get another doctor. Well, that you just say, you know, you say. You know, uh, I would I would really love to be tested for I would, I would do a I would like to be tested thoroughly for thyroid, including uh, uh, reverse T3. We have to consider that we haven't talked about oh, that at no. all. Thank you. <laughs> and so we have, I want to be tested for all my T3 my thyroid hormones, and if they're all normal, then I want to do a therapeutic trial with T3 and maybe with and maybe with desiccated thyroid desiccated thyroid armorous thyroid remember is sixty five percent t four but it's thirty five percent t three and and uh and it, that has taught me uh, some important lessons because i because most people take 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 days or even weeks for the t for the desiccated thyroid to work and I have seen it work in one day uh with uh, in a in a patient with uh the T3 and the T3 in the blood went up dramatically in one day and it's not supposed to do that because because desiccated thyroid takes a long time. So so you're so you're a saint, you want to know how to get your doctor to use T3 or desiccated and, thyroid when all they're yes. using is T4 which is probably the worst of the three to try.
0: Well, w- very quickly because I'd like to get back to the Lyme disease thing, but it's it's basically just a a philosophy is what is the terminology or the words or or the logic that our patients, our listeners, could can, can use in order to reason with their doctors? If you could just, I, I think a
3: doctor will understand that. therapeutic trial. You think? So, could we do a therapeutic trial with thyroid other than T4? Another can we word, do T3 or can we do desiccated? Absolutely. Because desiccated is 35% T3.
0: Okay, so, so you okay,
3: so and 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 but Cytomel. Has a, has a broad range uh, of dosage. It comes in a five microgram, a twenty five microgram, and a fifty microgram. The average person, if they lose their thyroid completely, will get by with about twenty five to thirty five mics of T three. So you got to. So so when I prescribe this for someone, I start off with 100, a hundred, a number with a hundred Cytomel, five micrograms. And I say take one a day for so many days, it depends, it'll depend on the circumstance, it might be three days, it might be six, Say take one a day for, for, uh, and, and measure your pulse, I teach them how to measure their pulse, and, and, uh, as, if you feel, if you feel better, fine, if you feel worse, don't take any more for a while until, until that passes, sometimes there's getting used to it as a problem, but I, but, uh, there, I, I should publish something on my therapeutic trial of thyroid because because it's a very effective technology and it's not all that complicated. And if you can get your doctor to prescribe uh, uh, the 5-microgram Cytomel, then you can work up to 25 a day or 30 a day, at which point you can order. You can get the 25-mic size. You take 25 mics, and if that's if that's okay but not quite enough, and you go to then you can add the five mics up to 30 35 40 and and there are people who need 50 i have one patient who needs 75 uh, so it there's a, you have to you have to consider individual biochemistry okay
0: i'd love to have another show with this Dana, and but we need to get back yes to- oh absolutely no, and, I think and that's,
1: that's that's so key what he just said, you know, each person is individual, each person's biochemistry, we're all different and we say that every yeah. show, Doctor Susser. I mean, it's so true and it's so great that you monitor so much and, and you take such good care with each patient because everyone is different. So, you know, you gotta try this, you gotta see how it works, and if it doesn't work then you stop. I just I love that philosophy. That's 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 what we all need, right?
3: Well, I yeah, I wrote a I wrote an article I think on YouTube uh, said you are more important than your laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> I put
1: I just I just shared that. I just shared that article uh that you wrote on Thyroid Nation so you guys can check it out there. Okay, so what I was going to ask you because we do need a T3 show alone. I I I I totally agree with you Reina. Uh for for Lyme disease I know you were talking about some treatments and things. What do you find is you know, because there are some real Lyme disease sufferers out there, and they're suffering and they're in pain and things. What do you recommend that they ask for? I mean, is antibiotics really the only thing that's really going to get
3: get good no, results, uh, or are uh, there other things? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I mentioned before that, that uh, people use uh, herbs like artemisia. And I use herbs like artemisia and, uh, and cemento and cat's claw. There's a number of herbal things I use. Large doses of vitamin C. I use intravenous vitamin C. I use intravenous uh, oxidation, uh, oxidative therapies with hydrogen peroxide. Uh, so I, I have there's there's a number of things you can do. You have to do a lot of things with Lyme, because if you just do antibiotics, you're not going to have much success. Uh, okay. If 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 you do, but sometimes uh, if you do everything else without antibiotics, uh, you 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 won't have enough success. So so it's truly the blending of East and West medicine that I have on my business card. <laughs> the, the, it, Which is
2: beautiful, it, by the way. We want to thank you for doing that. I, I know that anyone who listens to this would want to thank you for that, for, for doing that for your patients, because it's an enormous service that you provide.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate your acknowledgement. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it, the, the question of, of Lyme and and uh, Hashimoto's, or Lyme, and hypothyroid, uh, I think, as I said, Lyme disease can affect everything in the body, and and, and, it's, and there are many nuances to treating Lyme disease, including the biofilm. You've probably talked about biofilm. Biofilm is the, the mucus-like substance that the bacteria make and, and create little uh, fortresses in the, uh, for them to hide in your blood in your blood and in your tissues and that's called those are called biofilms they're they're almost like mucus from your nose uh, but they're in the bloodstream and some of it is microscopic and the and the various bacteria like Lyme and the and the co-infections uh, I don't know if, if you've heard uh, how much you've talked about co-infections I'm sure you've heard of them uh the the Lyme and the co-infections Uh, can have a tremendous, tremendous uh, effect on your immune system because they're they're in a fortress, and they're in there putting out toxins. And what's important to recognize is that there are two kinds, generally two categories of toxins that the bacteria make. One is endotoxins, which come from the carcass, the body of the organism dies, and it and it becomes a bag of of endotoxins, and uh, but when it's alive, and 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 functioning, as metabolism is producing exotoxins. So the so the so the, the metaphor the metaphor for human behavior, for endo and exotoxins. When we're alive, we're putting out mucus and sweat and saliva, and and hairs falling and skin is is. Skin is uh, is uh, flaking off, and and we go to the toilet, and we have urine and stool, and uh, sweat. We have all the, all these all these things that happen from our, our our exotoxins. There are toxins that come from the living organism, and and when we die and get we you know either wind up in a coffin or a an urn of ashes, or or if the mafia gets you, you'll wind up in a trunk of a car, and When somebody opens opens the trunk and you you put out all these endotoxins from from the carcass. So that's not very pleasant, is it? But but the the point I would make is that we have toxins, endotoxins and exotoxins. And and the the Lyme organism produces lots of both of them. And we have to deal with the toxins, and the toxins have... um, toxins have all the, have many characteristics and they and they and they uh go to the target organs so they we say why well, if i got Lyme why did it hit my thyroid gland or why did Lyme typically hits the joints and the the muscles and the neurologic the uh, the the, the, neur- the neuros the, the neurologic areas of the body it, it hits it hits the the peripheral nerves hits the central nerves it can give you brain fog by hitting the brain, the, the nerves in the brain. So, so, Lyme, so, Lyme has a tremendous variety of target organs, and for some reason or other, most people don't have target organs everywhere. They have several target organs. It may be one knee and or one elbow, one shoulder. It, uh, it may be that uh, the rash will come back. The the uh, erythema migrans, which is the which is the original. Uh, Bullseye rash, and sometimes people will get recurrences of that with the, with their Lyme disease. So, so so Lyme is Lyme is very difficult at all levels, and uh, and the, so uh, a lot of people, including my wife, wind up uh, with Lyme disease. She she got Lyme disease, I believe, from a blood transfusion. She was in the hospital with with uh, with a bleeding ulcer and had to have blood transfusions. And and uh, when we left the hospital shortly after that, she got very sick, and we finally found out it was Lyme, and uh, and she wound up having to get intravenous uh, rocephin, an antibiotic, uh, four to six times a week for eight months. So so uh, so it's very it's it's very difficult, and this is this is a, a patient who could have all sorts of care. She was. She had several really good Lyme doctors, including me, and and she had, uh, but she wound up needing intravenous antibiotics, and uh, that. And
1: how is she now? How is she now, Dr. Sester?
3: Well, she's been through a hellish year, but she's really doing well. Later, last night we went out for sushi and sake, and it was nice. <laughs>
2: All right, good for you.
3: Me that that's
1: my own heart right there. I love that. <laughs> um, okay, so I I know that they I have a lot of friends that have Lyme and and Hashimoto's, and they're suffering. So you know, with this great information you've said, you know, intravenous and all these different methods you can try. What what is the the most common thing that you hear you know, that that helps people with the pain? I mean, you know, as they're doing these antibiotics, and it's not a quick fix. You've got to try all this stuff. Is there anything that you recommend? Because I know that a lot of people are in just pain, and I know yeah, people I, don't want to just pop pills and that kind of thing. I mean, is there anything that you recommend for that, or that
3: that you have yeah, seen that helps? Well, I, I, again, it's it's a, it's the same principle. You want to stay away from a, from the addictive substances, the, the opiates, if at all possible. But sometimes the pain is so terrible that you can't you can't avoid the opiates. But there are the you you can uh, I found sometimes large doses of vitamin E magnesium uh, with, uh, with 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 uh, good B vitamins good magnesium not the magnesium oxide which gives you diarrhea but magnesium uh, citrate magnesium aspartate magnesium glycinate there are various forms of magnesium which are very relaxing to the uh, to the spastic muscles that you get with Lyme disease uh, and uh so the uh it it takes it takes a large number of nutrients in my experience to get to diminish the pain but uh, and uh, the other thing that diminishes the pain is diminishing the infection if you treat with the intravenous antibiotics and or even with the oral antibiotics or and intram, there's intramuscular antibiotics you can use like like ap bicillin which is long acting penicillin uh that was designed uh 40 years ago or 50 years ago for people who had rheumatic fever, and they would get one shot every 10 days of this penicillin. Well we can give a shot twice a week of the same penicillin, and and uh, that that gives a lot of treatment for your Lyme. Some people with Lyme disease have gotten completely better at doing that. And when you when you get the Lyme disease better, that's the best thing for the pain. And in fact, you'll know you're getting your Lyme disease better when the pain goes away.
1: Okay, well, that's tremendous information. But I do, I do want to ask you really quick before we move on, and I don't want to forget this. Do you do uh, Skype, uh, phone consults, and things like that, or is it just straight? Everybody's got to come in to see you, or, or how do you handle that? Because I know there are people from all over the country and world that would probably love to talk to you and get some advice and some consult.
3: Well, I'd like to do that. Uh, I do. You know, phone consults. Uh, you, know, you call the office and set up a phone consultation, and yes. uh, and see. And I can get a lot done on that. There's a lot of things you can't do with a phone consultation because you're not allowed to prescribe for somebody uh, under an MD license unless you've actually seen the patient. You're not allowed to prescribe that just to, just hmm. just on fo- just on phone or even even on Skype. You wouldn't technically be allowed. I know there's some people doing it now. I'm not sure of the legality of it. You know, is your, li- will, will your license, will my license be in jeopardy if I, if I treat somebody? We just somebody need them the to phone? fly
2: out and see you, Doctor Susser. We'll just get them to fly out and see you.
3: That's yeah, right. we can meet on the beach. What the heck? Yeah,
2: there we go on the beach. Let's see, sushi, sushi, sake, on the beach, and Lyme disease. We we could have a whole we could have a whole seminar. <laughs> We're we'll
3: right. sake seminar. That's the,
1: uh, right. Seminar. We'll bring That's a little right. magnesium. You know, we'll bring a little magnesium for later. It'll be fine.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, magne- magne- I use I use magnesium for migraine too. It's it's you know sometimes sometimes you n- you never know what's what kind of miracle you're gonna have. I I have a I had a patient uh, a couple months ago, who had migraines every day almost continuously for 17 years and wow. her um, her her boyfriend works in in the same building and where my office is and he brought her in and I found a tender spot right up above right up above her uh her eye right below her eyebrow next to her nose and it was a remarkably tender spot and I injected it with with prolotherapy I injected it with as a local anesthetic xylocaine and bupivacaine and some hypertonic dextrose and I hit exactly the right spot, and the pain went away completely for the first time in 17 years, and it hasn't been back. <laughs> uh, well,
1: there's going to be people on a plane tomorrow. Just wait.
3: <laughs> I, I, I can't claim to, to be able to do that that often, but but that was such a that was such a wonderful result. It was really thrilling. Hmm. And, uh, but uh, but the the point is that you the point I would make from that is that. You gotta you gotta I, I have a really broad spectrum of experience. I try a lot of different things. And so, so her pain or which probably had nothing to do with Lyme. She did she was not a Lyme patient. Uh but uh, her pain went away completely uh in an unexpected way. I expect some I expect a lot of pain relief, but not total like that. That that's, that that was a that was a mixed, that was a, an amazing blessing and we didn't talk about mixed infection syndrome which is something I'm proud of you
2: know we need to have we we've been talk we talk at the same time as the show and Dr. Suff- Susser, we have decided that we need a whole series of questions from you going from co-infections to T3 to I mean honestly to have a knowledgeable, wonderful, caring MD that is willing to discuss, my God, even nutrient deficiencies. I know that you really put a lot into nutrient deficiencies. To have an MD discuss those things is you are truly a one in a million, Uh, honestly. You are.
1: You are. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And, you know, we're almost out of time, if you can believe it. It goes by so fast, and we've covered so much information. I'd love to have you back, Dr. Susser. I
3: well, I don't I've, know I've what enjoyed this. this and We'd I, and love to have you back. I, would I think you guys are doing a terrific job, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pleased to be a part of it.
0: We're pleased to have you.
1: Yes, thank you so, so very much for joining us on your Sunday and for sharing with everybody all this wonderful insight. You can always listen to everything. I was just a tease that we needed to take notes during the show, and Tiffany said uh, this is an archives. So you can go back and take notes while you're listening to it in the archives. But thank you so very much, Dr. Susser.
2: We really appreciate it. More than
1: welcome. Thank you so much,
2: Dr. Susser. We're gonna when we let you go. Don't worry. We're gonna tell everybody where to find you. And uh, don't worry. We're gonna get people to you because you have so much to offer. Okay. Well, thank you. Raina? yes, I'm here. <laughs> you want to say
3: thank goodbye? You,
2: yes,
1: I okay, do. Okay, I'll, well,
3: I'll... I'll... Are we saying parting is such sweet sorrow? I know, is I such you sweet, we need you to sing,
1: sing something yeah. for us. Yeah. Me? Something? No, Dr. Sutter. No, no,
3: I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm sure okay. I'll be conversing. I'll be conversing with you later, Dr. Sutter. Thanks so okay, much. Then,
3: let, let me know what you want to do. Thank. Good luck. I, good luck, yeah. and use all this. We'll use all this information to good advantage.
1: Thank, thank you. you. We will. Thank and you. We'll, and next time we have you back, we'll have you sing. Don't worry.
3: Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> I, my, uh, I uh, my, 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 I can't. My family won't even let me sing. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, oh!
1: He, you sang to me on the phone the other day. He's talking nonsense. Okay, Dr. Seftor, <laughs> <laughs> have a great Sunday. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Wow. Oh, my Lord, he was amazing. Uh, I'm so thrilled. I can't even begin to tell you. He puts a legitimacy onto everything Uh, we talk about.
2: uh, Isn't that crazy? It's just everything. It's like, I I don't know about you guys, but my jaw was like on the desk just the whole time going,
0: and this man's an M.D. That's fabulous. Yes. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. And that, that's the biggest part. That's the biggest link that's missing is most of um, the MDs are on, like, this side of the fence. And then we have all the functional yep. medicine doctors that are on this side of the fence. And there's nobody that, no that's connection really bringing. There is. There is no connection. There's no working together. And there's no bringing it together. This is a disease that has to be looked at from, from more than just one side of the fence. It's got to be combined together. And, it, and, well, and, and has it multiple
2: treatments, you know, multiple it treatments. It's not going to be a one size fits all. Okay, so here's what goes, and not only that, but you have to look for the different forms and the different. I mean, it's just. And did you, know, you hear he all the amazing.
1: treatments that he offers? I mean, he he offers yeah. so many different types of treatments and things. So, so I know that's what you said, but I was just reiterating because really he was talking about some injection therapy and all kinds of things. I just, I'm we are so lucky, aren't we? And the yeah, cat's
2: claw yeah. and the artemisia, the vitamin C. I mean, there's there's natural treatments in there, too, that are helpful. I mean, he's amazing, honestly. Folks, yeah. he is on the West Coast. Come fly yeah, out. He is.
1: He's in, <laughs> he's in California. And you can find him at MurraySesserMD.com. And uh, I believe he's on he's Twitter on as well. He's on Twitter? Facebook.
2: Yep. He is.
1: He's Absolutely. on my page.
2: <laughs> he is on, and he Raina's has a page. section where you can ask ask questions. And he's on uh, Raina, Tell us, uh, he's on your uh, discussion group too.
0: He is. He isn't answering questions. What he is yeah. doing is, is he is um, putting articles that he has written um, on the website and so on and so forth. And he's starting to participate a little bit. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that with a little bit more interaction with all of us, that he may actually become a little bit more interactive. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. That's where I'm going with that. But I understand the liability of it. I understand the liability of it because he is a medical doctor. He is an MD. It's a bit different than the medical doctors. That's true. That's true.
1: Okay, well, guys. Thank you so much for taking time out to join us on this Sunday, and Dr. Sester was absolutely fantastic. Next week we have the amazing Michelle Corey, author of The Thyroid Cure, and you can find her at thethyroidcure.com. You can also find some information about her on the front of my website. And let's see, what else? What else are we missing, ladies?
2: Thyroid Thrivers. Submit your Thyroid thriver story to uh, Thyroid Thrivers. Submit your story. Whether you're healed or healing, we want to hear what you have to say about your own Thyroid thriver story.
1: And just a quick shout-out to a new friend that I met over in Ireland. Hopefully she's still listening. Her name is Linda, and we connected last night. That's one of my silver linings, so that is absolutely fabulous. Hopefully she's listening. Hello, Linda. And... That's it, ladies. This is Dana, your thyroid nation gringotica from Costa Rica.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> Tiffany with GratefulGarden.biz. And I mean
1: the collective voice, that's right, of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal.
2: United we heal. <laughs> bye.
1: bye. See you guys. Bye. bye. bye.